Worship has been amazing this morning. What's going on, family? You know, it's good to be here. Last weekend, Latoya and I and a lot of the campus students were out at the, in Dallas at the International Campus Leaders Conference. Lamar Burnham, hey, bro. Good to see you, man. I love you. That was not in my script, but... <laughs> So we were out in Dallas, and um, it was the first time in over 20 years the campus leaders had a conference together. So it was powerful and, and inspiring. God's doing incredible th- things around the nation and the globe and the next generation. And it was really special for us because we got to see a lot of the students that had gone out to lead ministries around the nation. So the McGurks were there, and the Snells, John Haynes, Kendall McKenzie, David Collier, all these kind of guys that have gone out. We got to spend an incredible time together. I think there's a little bit in the bulletin just with our campus staff. But I want to encourage you, when we're at these things, we get a lot of encouragement. And even Toy and I, we get a lot of encouragement and a lot of gratitude because God has raised up the North River Campus ministry in, in an amazing way, really. And it's become an inspiration and encouragement around the world. And I know, though, that's not just because of everyone under 25. But that's because of our family here at North River. And it, I don't care if you've ever been in the campus ministry or not. Your commitment to your faith has built a spiritual home for the students to come to. And you've built a spiritual family for us to grow up in and to have uh, examples in. So I wanted to say thank you because we give the encouragement while we're out there and you might not hear it how much our campus students that are usually right there, but they're not at nine, but how much our campus students really are an inspiration around the world. So thank you so much uh, just for having a faith that can inspire the next generation. Amen. So today, we're, we're talking about gospel vision. We're in our, in our year-long series of Draw Near to God. You can flip in your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 1, or Colossians chapter 4. And we've been studying out Colossians 3 and 4, and a little all through the book. And we've been talking about this mini-series of what do we need to put on, and then what do we need to put off. And Jeff and Tom, they had a little light switch. I went a little more modern with a little, that's from like an iPhone, okay? And so, but we're talking about put on and put off. And we're here in Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 2. And it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity and let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we're picking up here in the beginning of Colossians 4, and if you might have noticed, we've gone through almost scripture by scripture in the first half of Colossians 3, then we skipped over the whole second part of Colossians 3, which is about how to be incredible parents and good husbands and fathers and dads and mothers. Jeff is going to talk about that next week, and when I saw that, I'm like, man, we're skipping to Colossians. Do they not think I have the experience of being a dad to be able to talk about Okay, maybe Jeff is better to talk about it, but he's going to talk about that next week. But here in Colossians 4, it's interesting. In our series of put on, put off, and how Paul's been talking so specifically of put on forgiveness, put on love, 
put on Christ, put off greed, put off impurity, put off the old self. Here he doesn't mention anything to put on or put off. What's the transition? And it begs the question, what's the whole point of all this anyways? Like why have we been talking about put on, put off? Is it really just so that we can be just a little bit better people? Is it really just so we can have a little bit happier lives? Or are we supposed to use that to make an impact? Are we supposed to use that to help others? That the love that we put on is supposed to overflow to others. That the forgiveness that we feel from Christ, like we've been talking about all this past week, is supposed to then go out to other people. So Paul says, man, pray for open doors. Pray that I may preach the gospel as clearly as I should. And in verse 5 and 6, we're going to go through each of the phrases he uses and just pick it apart a little bit. Sound good to you guys? So the first phrase, oh, well, here's the, here's the key, is that impacting you is the first step to impacting others. And so as we've been impacted with putting on all these things, the whole goal is I need to change for Christ so I can go help other people change for Christ. Amen? So then this first phrase comes up of be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Man, this can be very challenging because I think if we're honest, it can be hard for us to think about those outside the church just as much as we think about those inside the church. Have those inside the church made you lose sight of those outside the church? Because it can be so easy. We got so many issues. We got so many problems. We could spend the next 50 years helping us out. You know what I'm talking about? Like we all got stuff to work on. But sometimes we can get too inward focused. We can get too focused on keeping the saved saved that we forget there's a lost world. And do we need to help disciples grow in their walk of God? Of course. Do we need to make sure we're maturing and teaching those to obey everything that Jesus commanded? For sure. But it can never be at the expense of being a light to the world. Amen? Amen? But what keeps us from that, I think what can happen is that we can have a flawed view of the world. And we can have a worldly point of view when we view the rest of the world. So I want to go to 2 Corinthians that talks about this. And 2 Corinthians 5 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded even Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. So in this new life that we have, there's something in our vision that needs to change. Do you see that? It says that we can't regard anyone from a worldly point of view anymore. We're supposed to have a, a Christ point of view, a gospel vision when we look at the world. That when we see the people around us, we can't analyze them like Satan wants us to, but we need to be able to view the world like Christ wants us to. So success in the world can come in a bunch of different shapes and sizes. And I don't know any of these people personally, but they kind of model success. I don't, I'm a Falcons fan. I don't know how quiet how Tom Brady got up there, but we're just going to leave that alone. But when you see success in the world, what do you see? Do you just see money? Do you just see looks? Do you just see who are they married to and what house they have and 
what car they drive, or what's their position at my job? Is that all you see is these worldly traits? Or do you see the spiritual? Do you see, the, do you see it through a gospel lens? To, that, do you realize that this world needs Jesus? That it needs Christ? That it doesn't matter how rich you are, that's not, treasures in heaven are so much more valuable. It doesn't matter how good you, are, you have a skill at a sport, the only skill that really matters is the skill to love God. That at the end of the day, worldly traits, even your looks, we're all going to be 80 at some point. It's going to go away. Except my wife will probably look good when she's 80, okay. But the truth is, is that you have what this world needs. You have it. Someone might have more money than you, but you got what they need. Someone might have a better position at your job, but they need what you got. Stop wanting what they have and realize you have what they need. Because you have Christ. And Christ is more valuable than anything. Do you have a gospel vision when you look at the world? Do you look at the world through Christ's lens? Does this make sense? So I want to share, it's been a while since I shared my story, and I wanted to be able to share it because as I was preparing this lesson, all I could think about is how this happened to me. And so, is it okay if I share my story? Okay. So when I grew up in our fellowship of churches, man, I love our fellowship of churches. And my parents were in ministry, so I was a preacher's kid, PK, all right? And um, so, but when I was in elementary school, my parents got out of ministry and then when I was in eighth grade, my dad not only left the church, but he became an atheist and completely stopped believing in God. So then all throughout my high school and first couple years at Georgia Tech, I, I didn't know what I believed. And I, I almost never went to church. The only reason I would go to church is if the girl I liked went to church. Then I went to church real fast. <laughs> but besides that, I, I stayed away from God and I went the exact opposite direction. And I got heavy into drugs, into drinking, parties, girls, theft, just all kinds of stuff. And I started getting arrested because all that stuff's illegal. <laughs> and so in my sophomore year at Georgia Tech, I had the worst first week of school ever. Uh, my first week of school, I got caught twice by the cops within three days. First one was for possession of drugs. The second one was for shoplifting. So I'm sitting there in the dining hall over at Georgia Tech. And I was talking to a buddy that we had became friends about six months ago. His name's Marcus Austin. And Marcus, are you in here, Marcus? Okay, next service. All right, so Marcus, um, he had, unbeknownst to me, gotten baptized a month earlier. And so I'm sharing with Marcus how, man, my life has fallen apart. I don't know what to do with myself. And he looks me in the eye and he says, Jordan, you're never going to be able to change unless you do it God's way. And I said, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, bro, no, I'm serious, man. Like, God's way is the only way that you're going to fix your life. Come to church with me. I was like, dude, no. <laughs> and he said, no, but seriously. And I, and I told him, well, bro, if I go to church, I'm going to go to the church I grew up in. Because at least I had that on straight. And so I called a friend. It didn't work out. Long story short, I see him again. He says, bro, just come with me tonight into this Bible discussion. I said, fine. So I go to the Bible talk. And, um, and we're there, and the, I'll never forget it. And it was about the downward spiral of sin. What a first discussion that God lined up just for me. And, and then they asked, hey, who here has, has reached a rock bottom? Or who here has done something that you never thought you would do, but Satan got you to do it? And I looked over at Marcus and Brad, and I was like, and they're like, 
And I said, I got a story. <laughs> and so I go to share, I mean, literally, I got arrested twice last week. Like, it was just terrible. And so afterwards, they're talking to me, hey, what's your church background? And, and I told them, long story, I told them, man, I was part of this, the International Church of Christ. And they said, wait, no way. I said, why? They said, dude, this is that church. I said, no way. It, just, it was crazy. God just lined it all up in such a special way. And it took me, that was in January, it took me around a year until December because I had all the baggage of a kid that grew up in church, but then I had all the sin of someone that grew up in the world. So it took me a long time to realize that Jesus is what I needed. But I'll never forget the day, December 13th, 2009. I'll never forget the day I got baptized. When I put off my old self and God clothed me in Christ. Do you remember that day? Because in order to want to reach out to outsiders, my main motivation is the gratitude of how God reached out to me. And it's the gratitude of what God did in my life. And you know what? My whole vision changed. In the world, what did I get my confidence from? In the world, I got my confidence from how good I was at sports, my looks, what girl I could get, my grades, how much money I made. But then in Christ, I didn't get my confidence from those things anymore. I took my confidence from God, and I took my confidence from Christ. This should be the most confident room in Atlanta. This should be the most secure room in Atlanta, because you have what Atlanta is desperately looking for. They just might not realize it yet, amen? <laughs> so gospel vision. But if we're going to continue on in this, and so we say, man, we need to make the most, or, or we need to act wisely in the way we act with outsiders. Then Paul, continuing in verse 5 of, of Colossians 4, says, make the most of every opportunity. So uh, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And then he goes, make the most of every opportunity. So as we're interacting with people, there's opportunities that come along. What are the two things that stop us most from seizing opportunities? Well, I think one is what we're talking about. The real, we, can, we get, a, get a false image from the world that says, this person doesn't need what I have. And we, we've debunked that. The second one is comfortability. Because comfortability ignores opportunity. Comfortability ignores opportunity. And the truth is, the longer that we're disciples, the temptation is the more comfortable for us to get. Where I've worked at my job, for years now. I've, my kids, I've been in the same school, I've lived in the same neighborhood. I've gone to the same grocery stores, eaten out at the same spots. And we can get so comfortable with our routine that we get blinded to the opportunities right in front of us. So how do you know if it's still on your heart? Well, Paul in verse two and three, you see how it's on his heart is because of what he's praying about. You can tell what you desire by what you pray about. When's the last time you prayed for an open door for the gospel at work? When's the last time that you prayed for that you, could preach, that you could preach clearly to the waitress or you could preach clearly to the person that you meet at the grocery store? Do you still pray for God to give you opportunities? Amen? And then, and then Paul continues. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. But then what do you do with it? He says, well, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. And what's he getting at there? Our whole goal is we want to bring Christ into situations. Amen? 
So in certain ways, it isn't, it isn't, it's not something you say, it's the way you act. Be wise in the way you act. Where you can bring Christ to a situation by being a man of integrity, by being a woman of purity, by, by being a man or woman of forgiveness. But a lot of other times, you have to say something. It takes a conversation. So he says, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Do, do we have any foodies here? Like people that just love food? You know, I'm not really, you know what I mean? But I know what salt does to food. Like who here likes French fries? Who here likes French fries without salt? I don't want to judge, but y'all are kind of weird. <laughs> but man, or chips without salt. It's like salt, spices, sauces. They just, they give it flavor, man. Chick-fil-A chicken without Chick-fil-A sauce. They would shut down. <laughs> it's just, or, or, or grilled chicken without barbecue sauce. Man, I, it's just terrible. And there's something salt does that preserves, right? And we need to preserve the world away from sin. Praise God to that. But there's something else that it does that it adds flavor. It makes it attractive. It gives it a pop. It makes it interesting. Man, Jesus is what, if you don't, your conversations need to attract people to the gospel. But conversations without Christ are bland in eternity. They're bland. They're not, they're not salty. They're, they're bland. It, if you bring Christ into conversations, it can change someone's eternity. It can preserve their eternity. It, it can make it flavorful for them. If we're talking about opportunity, there's also this concept of opportunity cost. Where, what's the opportunity cost? The opportunity cost is, is what's the potential gain versus the potential loss based off of this action or this opportunity. And in a conversation, to talk to someone about Christ, What's the opportunity cost? If we're honest, what is there to lose? Maybe a little bit of embarrassment, a little bit of, uh, of shame if they, if they say, no, I'm not interested, or discouragement. But what is there to gain? Eternity is the gain for to help someone follow Christ. That conversation Marcus had with me was the most important conversation of my life because he introduced me to my Savior. Let your conversations be seasoned with salt. Amen? Amen? So what I want to do for the next couple minutes before we share communion is I actually want to get kind of specific with practicals. We don't usually get that specific, but our, our theme of our conference last week was called Equipped. And so can we be equipped with the Word of God on seizing opportunities? Can we do that? So I want to go through three different types of opportunities that we, that we go through that we need to make the most of. Number one is routine opportunities. And what's a routine opportunity? It, it's what happens on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. So it's the, the grocery store you go to every week. It's the restaurant that you usually go to on dates. Or it's at your job, the people that you most consistently are around. And what keeps us from getting those is the comfortability that we talked about. That it's our routine. And so instead of going out of our way to seize an opportunity, we fall into comfortability with our routine. What's the second opportunity that we need to make uh, the most of? I want to call this initiated opportunities. It's opportunities that don't happen unless you initiate, unless you make it happen. What does that look like? Or it could be a group of friends or your family group saying, hey, let's go to the park and, and talk to people about Christ. Or let's all go down to the mall and let's meet people and share our stories and try to connect and try to give somebody the gospel message. It's something you initiate to happen. And man, I want to share a story about this. I love the in-town community. Anybody from in-town in here? And so last, uh, last summer, Sam Karanja and a few guys decided, hey, let's initiate an opportunity to go spread the gospel. Let's go to Midtown, to Pont City, and go talk to people about Christ. 
And when they're there, they met a young man named Alex Fry. And Alex actually so much, you know, was interested that they sat down and opened up the scriptures on the spots. And off of that, after months of digging into the words, last March, Alex got baptized. Praise God for that. But that, that wouldn't have happened unless an, an opportunity got initiated. When was the last time you decided, hey, for, for the next, for my afternoon, I'm going to do nothing except initiate and go meet people to, to make an opportunity happen? And the last opportunity I want to share about, I want to call a special opportunity. And it's, it's a moment of transition in people's lives when they actually realize they have a need for something. So a special opportunity can be, you can tell someone has a special opportunity in their life when you hear one of these phrases. Maybe you're, you're at work and you hear the phrase, hey, I just moved here. Or you hear the phrase, you know, I'm going through a really hard time in my life. Or you hear a phrase, you know, I just don't know what to do with this situation. And someone's given you an insight to their lives about how they need help. And it's an opportunity that you can really give to and make the most of. And if this is your first time here, you're like, wow, this is way over my head. Well, hey, guys, all you have to have is a mustard seed of faith to make an impact on others, to really seize an opportunity. But what should we do when we're in these places? How can we have our conversations seasoned with salt? Last passage I want to look at is John chapter 1. And I want us to learn from Philip. So Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael responds, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip's invitation when he sees the opportunity is what? Come and see. So I want to encourage us, I want to equip us that this week, this month, when you hear one of those phrases of a special opportunity, seize the opportunity to give someone an invitation to come and see Christ. Because sometimes you have to see it to believe it. And you have to come see the body of Christ and see the community. So when somebody says, hey, I just moved here, then, then we can say, hey man, are you, have you found a church yet? I got a great community over at North River. Why don't you come and see with me, man, and meet some people? You wanna do that? Or if somebody says, hey, I'm going through a hard time, or I don't know what to do. Well, hey man, I've gone through some hard times personally in my life also. And I had some people to help me work through. Would you want to get lunch tomorrow and talk through like what's really going on? I'd love to be there for you. And then, and then when you get lunch, you can start talking about Christ. But let's see opportunities to share the gospel, to have gospel visions, to let our conversations be seasoned with salt. And as we go into our time of communion, I want us to remember, as we're talking about all these things, as we're sharing communion, to remember when God saved you and how someone gave you the opportunity to know Christ and how, above all, our whole motivation to share with other people is the gratitude of what God did for us. And let's make a recommitment in our hearts that we'll make the most of every opportunity to spread the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for what you've done for us. I know each and every one of us here has a story. And, and it's really not our story, God, it's yours. And you've moved in our lives and you've changed us and you've brought us to this moment. God, I pray that we can be filled with gratitude more than any negativity in our life or any kind of stress. We can be filled with the gratitude of everything that you've given us. But God, I pray that as we put on your son Jesus that we don't keep it to ourselves, but we share it with others and that we make the most of opportunities to say, come and see your body. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.